It was President Andrew Jackson who said, one man with courage makes a majority. The never shy old hickory was likely referring to himself. However, my guest today, and a woman, proves that Jackson's words not only stand the test of time, but also cross the gender line. Rebecca Friedrichs has been an elementary school educator in Southern California for 30 years, and since day one was concerned about the policies and politics of the teachers' union she was forced to financially support. Although she opted out of the political dues for the first 10 years of her career, she later joined as a full member in order to gain a voice because agency fee payers lose all rights of membership, including the right to voice their opinions and vote within collective bargaining. She served on her local union board for three years, learning from personal experience that even union representatives have no real voice in union politics and are bullied and silenced if they dare to question the union's narrow views. And now Rebecca Friedrichs has written an amazing book, Standing Up to Goliath, Battling State and National Teachers Unions for the Heart and Soul of Kids and Our Country. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me on Reality Check. Thank you, Jeannie, and thanks for those wonderful words. So, Rebecca, why don't we start with uh, the most important. uh, We'll start with your book, because the book is the story of where you have been and what you've done and why it's critical. Standing up to Goliath, take us through what what happened. Why why the book? I'm so glad you asked this question, because uh, one of the problems in our country is um, teachers' unions dominate the narrative, and the national narrative, the local narrative. They dominate elections. They have so much money and so much power. They get their voice out there loud and clear, and it's a deceptive voice. And it's a voice that claims to be representing teachers, but it's actually representing teacher union leadership. I call it real teachers versus teacher union activists. And then for people like myself, a classroom teacher, I don't have a bunch of money. Uh, I just love the kids and want to do what's right. And there are millions of teachers like me who labor every single day, who've been forced to fund these unions, who've been bullied by these unions. Our profession has been completely degraded by these unions, and we don't have a voice. And once in a while, maybe we can get on a radio show or a podcast like this and we get a three-minute soundbite. You can't fight a Goliath messaging campaign from the teachers' unions, you know, buoyed by billions of dollars that they take from people like me, with three-minute soundbites. So I just knew that we needed to get our stories out there. We needed to get real testimonies of real teachers, parents, and kids who have been bullied, abused, screamed at, Um, undermined by state and national teachers unions. So I started interviewing them, and I wrote this book. It's our story. Is it a surprise to you when you speak to ordinary folks that they don't know this is going on in the background? Yeah, it's it's interesting. It is a surprise, and it isn't a surprise. Um, Yeah, it's infuriating because... The the unions are so abusive. If you spend any time in any kind of union leadership, you get abused. You've seen it for yourself. The problem is that most teachers and all parents have never been to a state or national union uh, meeting at that level. So they really don't know what's going on. They're, they're all confused. They, they know something's wrong, 
if you had a teacher, well, you'd have a hard time getting a teacher on your show to talk about unions because they're all terrified. They all know they can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. They all know that they're in this culture of fear, but they have no idea what's actually uh, uh, leading that culture of fear. They've been lied to. They've been told it's the administration. They've been told the American people don't like them anymore. They've been told they're not paid well. I mean, that was the latest, right? That the walkouts, you're not being paid, no one respects you. And they go, well, I might not agree with what you think about this or that issue. And maybe you're more left-wing than I am, but you're protecting my rights to to get money. Don't don't they do that? You know what? That's what it comes down to, Jeannie. They Teachers believe, they believe with all their heart that they have to have this union because if they don't, they're not going to get paid well and they're going to lose their pension. They believe that. They also believe they're going to be sued. And that because they're working in this corrupt environment, they have no idea the unions are the ones who corrupted it. So they're in this corrupt environment and they're terrified. So they believe the unions are their savior. What they, the, the infuriating part is they, uh, teachers are the proverbial hen running to the fox because the unions are the ones who've created all the problems, and they are not teachers' savior. The, I mean, teachers will be lucky if the pensions are there for us, thanks to the unions mm-hmm. pushing for, um, you know, we have trillions in unfunded pension liabilities. Teachers don't know that. And so the unions control teachers with, I, I teach in my book, with four psychological manipulations, fear, intimidation, isolation, and ignorance. Mm-hmm. So teachers don't know. They just don't know. And so my goal and desire is to educate them and to educate parents and good people in this country so that we can all learn the truth and we can stand up together against this union abuse. Talk about intimidation um, a little bit. What are some examples you can give us about why teachers, what happens to them that they don't feel that they can speak out? Yeah, I'd love to give you a couple of stories on that. So I want to tell you about my friend Kelly Stevenson. Kelly was union president of her local association. And by the way, I'd like to slip this in. Most teachers love their local association because it's their friends standing together against a corrupt system. Mm -hmm. Most of them don't like the state and national because they realize the state and national unions are spending their money on politics. So one of the things I do is help teachers to understand that, hey, did you know you can break free of the state and national and just create a local association? So my friend Kelly Stevenson actually tried to do that. She was treasurer and then president of her local association, and she discovered a couple of things. Number one, they were sending $500,000 a year. She was writing the checks to the state and national, in her case, Maryland Education Association. So they're sending this 500000 a year, and the unions are doing nothing for them, absolutely nothing. And every time teachers really needed support, they weren't getting it. So Kelly wrote a letter and said, hey, we're not getting support. We need support. What can you do to help us? They wrote her back and, to- and scolded her and told her, look, your teachers can't ask for a choice. This is what they get. And hey, by the way, you all aren't raising enough money for the political action committee. You need to start raising more money for the PAC. They took over her local association, booted her out, and booted out all of the officers and took them over and brutalized them. She told me it was the worst experience she's ever been through in her life. She felt like President Trump running for president because they attacked her so brutally in print, with signs, turned teachers against her. 
So this is what happens if you dare to speak out. Mm-hmm. So most teachers just go along to get along. And most teachers also don't tend to follow. I know you talk about the issues that the teachers union advocates for which they advocate. So, of course, um, you know, Randy Weingarten, the head of the American Federation for Teachers, the second largest teachers union in the country and the most politically aggressive, I'd argue. They're both politically Mm -hmm. aggressive. Mm -hmm. Was the first out of the gate to praise the election of Nancy Pelosi and to say that she was happy they were finally reclaiming the house and you go okay let's say that i don't care what you are uh you're not supposed to be a political party and so there really is very little difference and so teachers don't really have a choice whether or not they back the kinds of things that the union pays for well you've got that and i have in my book a few charts where i bring together um documentation and information from the union's 990s um you know their tax returns from um, uh, sources like the American Public School Teacher, NEA, internal studies, and things like that, to show, number one, how the unions are actually spending their money. And in some of these, um, some of the cases, 100% goes to Democrats. Um, And it's only far left Democrats. But what really is eye-popping is the NEA's own internal studies. They've had three over the years, the most recent 2006. These studies show that teacher members of the NEA, only 13% consider themselves decisively liberal. And near 60% consider themselves conservative. So you have this union. It's supposed to be a labor union, supposed to be just supporting you for your, you know, within your job. Mm-hmm. They have completely lost their mission on purpose, by the way. They never had a mission of representing people in this case. Never, never. When they took over the National Education Association in the 60s, their goal was to push their politics, period, Mm -hmm. using teachers, using our apple pie image, using our, um, our access to children so they could get unfettered access to America's kids to push their agenda to indoctrinate. That's exactly what they've always been doing from day one, and I prove that in my book. And um, so here you have teachers who are majority conservative supporting the Women's March, support, and I mean helping with organizing. Mm-hmm. You've got all kinds of teachers out at these marches. They're not, they're not the real teachers I know. They're teacher union activists that the unions have planted into our schools. Uh, teachers like myself are forced to fund their magazines, their... Um, their websites, and you go on to these things, and it's all a far-left agenda off the backs of middle-class teachers who just want to teach little kids, many who are totally apolitical, most who are conservative. And so it's really troubling. And um, like you said, I don't understand how the unions get away with it. They, How is it that they can be such political Animals. They are five hundred one c organizations. They pay no taxes. Right. They're non. They're nonprofits. Well, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the status quo of teachers having to belong, or if they don't belong, having to pay for their services anyway, was just chugging along. And then you came along and challenged that ironclad monopoly. And you took it to not just the California court. But you took Friedrichs versus CTA to the Supreme Court. 
Oral arguments took place in the Supreme Court on Monday, January 11, 2016. And after hearing the questions in court, just about everyone were confident that the justices would deliver a 5-4 decision. And then later that year, the death of Justice Antonin Scalia created a 4-4 tie. You must have been devastated, Rebecca. Oh, Jeannie, devastated doesn't even begin to describe it. Um, that morning, it was a Saturday, my husband and I were getting ready to celebrate Valentine's Day. And we never watched TV, um, you know, especially on a Saturday morning. But I just happened to have the news on. And I learned about Justice Scalia's death on breaking news. And there I was, gaping at the TV, listening to a news anchor I've never even met talk about me, talk about how the, there were three cases that would most likely be negatively impacted by this death, and the first one was Friedrichs versus California Teachers Association. It was devastating. My husband came, you know, stood next to me, and all, all we could do, he said, let's pray. And mm-hmm. we just prayed, mm-hmm. and we just asked God, please intervene. We don't understand this. And we, we couldn't even talk for about two days. Day three, we woke up with renewed hope, though. And our hope was, look, God doesn't take a girl all the way to the United States Supreme Court where she gets bullied. They called me the spawn of Satan and all these horrible names. The, the teachers' unions called me these names. Um, God doesn't do that and then let you lose. So the, the, the message I got was, girl, just keep on moving forward and do what I've asked you to do. So I did. I started interviewing teachers. I started writing my book. And now here we are today where my book just happened to come out a few months after another case came mm-hmm. behind my case, Janice versus Ask Me. And you're not going to believe this, Teeny, but Mark Janice's case won on my birthday. Oh, no, I had no idea. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes, so, the, so Justice was a, what a great birthday gift. And Justice yeah. was eventually served thanks to Mark Janice continuing what you started. And that case had been making its way through as well, starting in Illinois. And so, so we're making teachers and parents and the general public aware of what happened. And Janice's decision um, came out and uh, delivered a huge blow for freedom. And and that is to say that no one should be no one will ever again uh, allegedly be required to pay for yeah. something that is against their wishes, be compelled to pay. Right. But right. talk to me, what's the reality? What is the yeah. impact of Janus and what do we need to know because I'm hearing that not all is roses. Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you asked. And when you use the word allegedly, I yeah, that's it. That's the word. <laughs> so before Janus won, Before our case was even heard, I kept telling people, look, if we win this battle for liberty, thank God, we will celebrate for 30 minutes tops and we need to get back to work because now the real battle has begun. So now every public sector employee in the United States has the freedom to leave a union and pay them nothing. That's huge. Mm -hmm. But the problem is we all work in this extreme culture of fear that you and I discussed earlier. That's why my book, that's why I wrote the book. This book is 28 chapters of stories of teachers, parents, and kids sharing their truth about how they've been bullied by unions, how it's unions that spend hundreds of millions to stop school choice, and how these kids have been hurt by unions who close down their choice schools or who um, 
you know, pushed against choice so much that the kids never could get the school they needed. And right. so they're, they're failing. That's and so even though little... there is this decision that allows you now to challenge uh, what was once compulsory, a lot of people are still afraid to say, no, 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 I don't, right. I don't want to be a member because what? What's going to happen? They're going to be uh, yep. verbally challenged. They're going to be treated yep. badly. Right. What can we do? What do we have to tell yeah. people to do? Well, my answer is adopt a teacher. So I've come up with a program. Great. Adopt every single teacher you know. Everybody knows teachers in their family, in their church, in their synagogue. Adopt them. Put your arm around them. Hand them a copy of my book. Hand them your copy. Don't have mm-hmm. to go buy another one. Mm-hmm. Get it on Kindle. It's cheap on Kindle. Mm-hmm. Get my book into their hands. Help them to read it. Make sure they read it. Because once they read all these stories and find out what they're really funding, find out who's really behind the abuse, find out why they're in a culture of fear so that they're not – right now they think it's the administration. They think it's the public. Right. No, it's the union. So we need to educate them on the truth. Once they see the truth, we empathize with them, and then we stand with them and empower them because you cannot expect teachers and other government employees who have literally been brutalized for 50 years to stand up on their own without support. They're not going to because they're standing you know, against their oppressor. Well, they're also so afraid we, they're not going to have insurance or they're not going to have benefits, yeah. and that's why many yeah, of them stay lies. in. And that's not yeah. true. You can get insurance anywhere. In fact, there's the you know Association of American Educators that we both know where yeah. it's, a, it's a professional organization that provides you precisely that from modicum of what the unions extracted from your dues. Well, exactly, and they actually defend you. Um, I have a girlfriend who taught with me for 26 years, or 20, excuse me, 24 years, one of the one of the most outstanding teachers I know, she paid her dues faithfully to the union all 24 years. And this past school year, she was fired in three days. Three days. The union would do nothing for her. They said, oh, we're not going to defend you. It'll cost too much money. You know what she did to be fired? Mm. A little boy in her class was totally out of control because we can't discipline kids anymore thanks to the unions too they're behind that too so she couldn't discipline you know the kids are out of control and he was about to injure other children he was going so wild she dared to grab him by the hoodie Mm -hmm. the back of his shirt just to stop him from hurting another child and he fell on the floor she got fired over that in three days no process No one listened to her side of the story, and the union abandoned her. Mm -hmm. They did nothing. Mm -hmm. So you're right. The Association of American Educators and the Christian Educators Association International, those are the two biggies, Mm -hmm. and others, uh, for a fraction of the cost, will give people uh, liability insurance. And also, I really encourage teachers and parents to stand with them, and faith leaders especially, to stand with them, help them to decertify because right now their local union is attached to the state and national legally. Right. So they first have to 51% of them vote. They can decertify the whole mess and then reorganize as a local only. The unions will fight you. That's mm-hmm. why you need your community behind you. But once you do that, now instead of paying 1200 a year in dues, you could pay maybe three or 400 Everything stays local. You hire your own lobbyist. You hire your own attorney. You, you do what's right for the kids in your community instead of funding the far left 
divisive political agenda in this country. And then maybe our country could start to heal if teachers would get out of these unions. I'm talking to Rebecca Friedrichs, the author of Standing Up to Goliath, Battling State and National Teachers Unions for the Heart and Soul of Our Kids and Country, and the plaintiff in the Supreme Court case Friedrichs versus CTA. Rebecca, I'm so amazed that we even in 2018, are still talking about these issues when our kids are barely reading, writing, spelling, or doing history at grade level, right? We're spending millions and billions of dollars um, on on unions and labor and and associations. And you just go, what? Where? Why? How did that how did we get to a point where instead of putting every single dime and and uh, hour into serving children, we are arguing and fighting about adult groups and associations. And it's not political, right? You can be left, you can be right. It doesn't really matter. There are civil rights leaders that are on the left, right, and center who are very much squarely of the belief that unless kids get an opportunity to get to the choice of their own making, they won't get the education they deserve. Well, well, you know, I mean, I, I talk about that in my book, that Leaders on all sides, even President Obama, all used the exact same talking point, and that was education is the civil rights issue of our day. And so then I pose a question. So if all, believe, if all leaders believe this, powerful leaders, why haven't we changed anything? Why is it getting worse and worse? And I have the answer to that. There's one answer, state and national teachers unions. They are the problem 100%. One of the things they're doing right now, the National Education Association, passed at their 2017 Representative Assembly meeting, they passed an amendment to their um, resolutions document in which they want to change the scientific method. They strike out all the parts of the scientific method that are, uh, you know, that require us to have empirical evidence and those kind of things, and they change it to this squishy opinion stuff where we can come to a scientific consensus. So the reason our schools are failing, the reason our kids aren't learning, is the state and national teachers unions. They also are the ones rewriting history. They're the ones attacking the Redskins and the Braves and all these Mm -hmm. names of teams. I mean, you can't believe it when you go through and look at their resolutions and their new business items every year, which I do. They had 159 of them in uh, 2017. When you start looking at this stuff, you find out these unions 100% are pushing the far-left political agenda. They are writing the talking points for the far-left. They are funding. They're a PAC. They're a political action committee for the far-left. That's why kids are not learning. My question is, why is a labor union allowed to have so much power over education policy? They should have no opinion, zero. They're a labor union. Educators like myself and parents are the ones who should have the loud voice. And if you had known that when you were thinking about becoming a teacher, how would that have changed your mind? You mean if I'd have known that the unions were in charge? Oh, my gosh, yes. Um, Thank God I taught because I got to learn all of this, and now I can fight it. Mm -hmm. Um, But they've they've destroyed my profession. Um, I left the classroom this past year. I resigned because I'm fighting full-time in hopes of fixing things for teachers and kids and and families. Um, But I can tell you this. I miss my students so much it hurts. Mm -hmm. But I do not miss the politics. 
I don't miss the way people wouldn't talk to me anymore just because I was fighting the unions. I don't miss the anger. I don't miss, you know, the day that President Obama won his second term, it was a morgue on my campus for three days. That's how depressed teachers were because they had voted Republican. Because most of the teachers I know have conservative values and love America and they're patriotic. And they could see that that president was attacking our values. And so when he won again, they were devastated. But our union was celebrating, you know, and celebrating with a very prideful, mocking behavior that is not uh, reflective of the loving and kind heart of of good teachers. And I bet, bet, like most good teachers, they went ahead about their business, forgot about their personal views, and went went about the business of educating kids and not sharing that with their students, which is what, which is what all great teachers do. They do not yeah. share. Um, it's funny, I, I've gone back to reunions since I graduated uh, from, you know, high school. And I, you know, you, I learn what kind of political bent my teachers had. And I go, oh, that's interesting. Maybe now I could see it. But at the time, I never knew. My best exactly. teachers, I never knew where they stood. I just exactly. knew that they were, they stood for uh, the subject and the course area that, that they were overseeing. So that that's, is a, that's, that's a tribute exactly right. to, to great I, teachers. Exactly. And I, you know, I'll tell you, oh, I taught 28 years. So there were often, there were people in office that I didn't agree with, especially here in the state of California, but never once, never once would I ever say anything negative about a leader. All I did was teach my students to respect the office. You respect your leaders. And you follow the law and be patriotic. And we started every single morning with the flag salute and with the national anthem. And we stood for the national anthem. And you, if you want to know, this year the National Education Association, at their July uh, Representative Assembly meeting, gave their top award, the President's Award, to Colin Kaepernick, the the leader of the Take a Knee movement. Wow. And then, and then, and I have the, I have a photograph of this. And then the, the president of the California Teachers Association and other union leaders took a knee during the national anthem. And, and what I'd just like to say about that is, look, on their personal time, on their own dime, they can take a knee all they want. But how dare they represent three million teachers across America by giving their highest award to Colin Kaepernick and then taking a knee during the national anthem? I don't know one teacher who agrees with the take a knee movement. Well, it's Teachers? not it's okay. not it's not a democratic process to come up with. It's not a democratic <laughs> right. thing to do. And whether exactly. you agree with that or not or that people should have uh, the freedom to do that, that is not where the union who is taking public money to do work that was allegedly to support teachers should be. And that is exactly at the crux um, of this problem. And we have a long way to go clearly to where their lack of compulsory um, ownership of teachers' money um, is actualized. And so teachers out there, all of you who know a teacher out there, make sure you let them know that under the Janus decision this year uh, that Rebecca and her colleagues helped uh, wage over the years, you have the freedom to not just not belong to a union but no longer just pay for their actions. And you need to adopt a teacher. I love that. I love the uh, the 
Monica, adopt a teacher, give them Rebecca's book, let them know what their rights are. And then finally, Rebecca, what is for kids and country? That's another project you have. Yeah, so when I wrote the book, I thought, where in the world are these people going to go once they learn the truth? They're going to be alone. So uh, my husband and I started a nonprofit called For Kids and Country. And our mission is uniting, engaging, educating, and empowering parents, teachers, faith leaders, and citizens and students in the fight to restore our schools and culture. So our goal, we just have grassroots people who stand together and who fight for what's right. Some of them fight at school board meetings. Some of them write letters to the editor. Um, Some of them adopt teachers and educate teachers. And our goal is just to stand together and get the truth to every teacher and parent in this country so we can restore our schools so our kids can be safe again, so our kids can learn again. It's very simple to teach a child, very simple. And we just need to get unions out of our schools so we can get back to that good work. Well, it's truly remarkable, the work you've done. And I'll just say one more thing, because today, um, you know, the nation is uh, beginning a period of mourning over the passing of President Mm -hmm. George H.W. Bush. And, um, you know, decency is the word we hear from everyone when it comes to this man who was a statesman in so many ways. And look, there are millions and millions of people and pundits and media out there talking about him. But I just want to raise um, raise a glass um, and a salute uh, to him today on Reality Check, and particularly, Rebecca, with you on the show. You are fighting for decency. You're fighting for fairness. Yeah. You're fighting for justice and right. civility back in education. And he was, um, you know, certainly uh, the an education president in all way, shape, or form. He brought people together across political lines. He had, mm-hmm. um, you know, everyone from Bill Clinton to, um, you know, conservative Republicans sitting in Charlottesville at meetings. And uh, if we could use his legacy to help us drive um, again uh, into a new movement or a renewed movement for change, I think we could all agree that we would be better off. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. He was a good man. And, and I've noticed there's a lot of good people out there, but we've been silenced by a very, very angry uh, crowd that has been stealing our money for years to push their agenda. So we just need to push back. We need to push um, back. Goodness always wins. Absolutely. We goodness always wins. Yeah. Great note to end this fabulous podcast. I am so pleased to have had on the show Rebecca Friedrich. Uh, Rebecca is an educator extraordinaire, the fighter uh, and plaintiff in the case that went to the Supreme Court, Friedrich versus CTA, and the author, most importantly, most recently, Run Out and Get It or Download It, of Standing Up to the Goliath. Rebecca, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure. Reality Check is a weekly podcast produced in partnership with National Review Online. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available, including iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And follow us at EdReform on Twitter and myself at Jeannie Allen. For more information or to learn more about the topics you heard today, go to edreform.com.